I want to preach on grace, grace, and more grace. That's a good title, isn't it? Grace, grace, and more grace. The word grace is mentioned in the New Testament 122 times. I had to discipline myself to just get 10 texts. So I'm going to read these 10 texts. You already see my notes now. I've got a few little notes, but mostly just scriptures. So let's talk about that. Grace, grace, and more grace. And I hope I want to glorify God today, but I also want to feed your souls today. And I want to empower you to serve God better and to do it with a light step because the world is full of trouble. We've got a great, great God. His grace far transcends our sins and weaknesses. And I thank God for that. Uh, I'm a, it's, a, it's a subject that's just impossible to really pin down in a way. It's such a wide, broad subject. Many sermons can be preached on this, but I'm just going to preach one. I'm going to give a title, I mean a, a definition. It's got, well, I'm going to call it free favor and unmerited love. Free favor and unmerited love. Totally free favor and unmerited love. So let's go to the scriptures now. My 10 texts, and I'll read first of all Romans 11, 6. I wish I had time to go into the context of all of these. I will go into the context of some of them, but most of them I'm just going to read the verse. Uh, he's been talking about election here in Romans 11. He's been talking about election. And they talk about the election of grace. So he said, and this is Paul speaking in Romans 11:6, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But via works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So grace and work just don't, they don't mix. If you say salvation by grace, you know what you mean? Let me tell you what you mean. A lot of people say they're preach, preaching grace. I'm glad that some people do preach some grace. But if you preach real grace, you know what grace is? It's grace, period, not grace, comma. You hear what I said? There's no mixture of grace and works. And work would include even exercising your will. He said in Romans 9, 16, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. A lot of people say, well, we don't believe in working your way to heaven. You've got, you got to exercise your free will, make that decision. That's, that's a work. That's a work. Again, Romans 9, 16, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of who? God that showeth mercy. God gets all the glory. I love reading in Revelation those songs, uh, the angelic songs to Jesus Christ, Thou alone art worthy. I like, Grace Chapel sings those songs now. Thank God for that. So thank God for grace, my friend. It's an unmerited favor of God. Now, I'm going to go to one of my favorite texts and one of your favorite texts. Let's look over at Ephesians 2.8. I'll spend just a short time on some of these texts, a longer time on some of them. I can't overemphasize what I'm preaching about today. When I get through, I guarantee you the half had not been told. The tenth one had been told. Grace, grace, and more grace. You can depend on God. We serve a gracious God. They even said when Christ was here, he spoke gracious words. Isn't that wonderful? He speaks gracious words to you even now in your hearts. He's a gracious God, full of grace, absolutely full of grace. I cannot overstate the top. I just hope God put it in our hearts today. All right. Look at our good old text here in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. How are you saved? Is a cooperative effort between you and God? Absolutely not. It's God does the saving. Now, after we have been saved, we're very energetic in working, but we don't work in order to get saved. Let me say this on the front end. Grace will not make you lazy. If it's preached right and understood right, grace will energize you. You won't serve God because he's bidding you with a stick and making you serve him. You'll serve him because you've got a heart 
completely filled with gratitude what he's done for you. You don't want to die for him. You want to live for him? You want to die for him. A lot of martyrs today are dying for him. You don't want to live for him? You want to die for him. You want to say like the Apostle Paul, my desire is that Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. When you really get a hold of grace, that's what it do for you. It won't make you lazy. Some people say, don't preach too much grace, Brother Zach. Uh, people are going to get lazy. You won't get lazy a bit. I'm going to prove it to you. The most energetic man that ever lived, except Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, and what motivated him was grace, pure grace. He burned his life out because he was filled with grace. And may we burn our lives out for our Lord because we're filled with the grace of gratitude. I even like the word grace. Don't you? That sounds good, doesn't it? Grace. Gracious. I like that. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And you know what that means? Oh, you have to exercise faith in order to be saved. No, you get faith, my friend, in regeneration. Then you exercise that faith. I could go to a lot of text and show you that. You're saved by grace through faith. That faith is a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But God had before ordained, we should walk in them. And our children have memorized that on Wednesday nights. Kids, get that in your cross. And I love that verse. That's one of the first verses that I ever understood when I was a little kid. I knew there was something different about what we preached and what a lot of people preached. On that text right there, and on Matthew one twenty one, which I won't quote and throw myself off right now. For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, we sing the song, Amazing Grace, don't we? It is amazing. May it be more amazing to you today than it had been a long time when I get to preach it would be my, uh, might be my prayer. I like what old Stephen Lawson said. He said it's uh, stupendous grace. It's, uh, he, had, he had a whole bunch of uh, adjectives to add to that. It's, it's, just, it's unspeakable grace. It's, it's amazing grace. Get, get your dictionary out and get your thesaurus out. You can't overdo Grace, I'm glad this is Grace Chapel, Prairie Baptist Church. I'm glad we named it Grace Chapel. Aren't y'all? Grace, grace, grace. All right, for the grace of you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No credit whatsoever given to us. But, my friend, we hit the ground running when we realize what God had done for us. I hope, my friend, that will motivate us today. All right, let's go down to the one in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul wanted to give all glory to God, take no glory to himself. Remember, this is the most energetic of all the apostles. He was not bragging when he said that. You say, I wish I lived the life Paul did. Don't be so sure you want to live the kind of life he did. I wish we had the grace to do that. But listen, friend, Paul suffered continuously for over 30 years. I don't like it when people don't like me. You, it bothers me when I know somebody does not like me. But my friend Paul had people who hated him. They hated him with a vehement hatred. How would you like it to have 40 men make a solemn pact, we will not eat nor drink till Paul is dead? Boy, that paralyzed you, it looks like, wouldn't it? One time, even for a couple of hours, I forgot how many hours it was now, they threw dirt up in the air. It's not fit. Such a man should live on the earth. Those old Jews were so prejudiced because Paul preached to the Gentiles. How do you like somebody hating you like that? If you go over in 2 Corinthians 11, you can't believe how many times he got beaten. I bet if you took his shirt off, he looked like a railroad track. He, had, he, had, he got beaten with rods. He got beaten with whips. Uh, just look at the catalog. But my, he never complained about it at all because he was so excited about the salvation that God had given him. And I'm going to tell you this. We know Paul was saved in a mighty way because he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ in a horrible way. He was acting like a wild beast. He was torturing people. He was acting like ISIS or like Hamas. That's what he was doing, really, against God's people. 
He was thought he was doing right, but he was totally wrong because he was not born again yet. On the road to Damascus, God Almighty showed his grace to the Apostle Paul and caused him to be born again and instantly changed his life. And Paul never forgot that. I'm going to tell you this. You may not have known what Paul did. I may not have known what Paul did. It took the same grace to save you. It did the Apostle Paul. We need to be just as grateful, my friend, our salvation as Paul was for his. It's amazing. And listen, friend, I want to encourage you as you think about grace, try to live a life of doxology. I'm, 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 you know, doxology means praise. Well, if you'll be reading the epistles of Paul, he'll just be toting along there, just going along. All of a sudden, whammo, here comes the doxology. And he'll do it again, a few more verses letters. It'll be a doxology. To the king, immortal, invisible, uh, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. He just can't, he can't hold it. We ought to be living that way. I can't say you're going to jump up and down all day long, but every now and then you'll be jumping up and down and praising God. If they're not wrong, get a hold of yourself and beg God to help you and help me too. We get so tied down with the affairs of this world, we forget, my friend, our main job on this earth is to praise God. That your main job is to, show, is to glorify God. That's my main job. That's why you're placed here. I'm not placed here to make money, even though I like money and what it buys. I'm not placed here to get an education. I'm glad you're getting good educations. I'm not placed here to have vacation, even though it's wonderful that God gives us special things to enjoy. I'm on this earth to glorify God. And you won't be totally fulfilled unless you're doing that. The most happy people on the face of this world are those who are living out, those children of God who are trying to glorify God. The devil doesn't want you to glorify God. All right, look at Paul. This man who suffered like that. Oh, I love this verse. What a verse. What a verse. I'm always saying that, aren't I? I said the Holy Ghost really knew how to write a book. Y'all agree with that? The Holy Ghost knew how to write a book. Look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We could all say that. All born-again people could say that. I am what I, anything good in me, I am what I am by the grace of God. Not because I'm a good old boy. If I see somebody not in the gutter, what do I say? There go I but for the grace of God. When you believe in grace, you're not self-righteous. You're incredibly grateful. You want to help people who are down and out. You want to help poor broken down stunners. You don't want to stomp on them. You want to help try to get them back up and help them repent and get close to God Almighty. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, the grace of God, which was with me. Isn't that beautiful? Rememorize that verse and live by that verse. Work hard. Work real hard. My friend, whatever you do, do it your might. Young people, do it your might. If you're getting education, do it your might. You're going to use that education to glorify God. You wives, be good wives like you are. With all your might, you mamas and you daddies. When you're working for somebody, do it with all your might. Life is a great gift of God. You didn't buy your life. God gave you life. And God wants me to use my life to his glory. My mind, my brain, everything to his glory. My time to glorify him. We don't have, we're not put here. Just have a big old party. Now let's go to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. This will refute the idea that grace makes us lazy. No, it does not. You know, people who believe in work salvation work awful hard. There's a lot of cults that really believe in work salvation. You talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't mind naming the Jehovah's Witnesses. They work hard. They're so wrong. I feel sorry for them. They're so wrong. 
You talk about dedication, my friend. Some of those JWs are really dedicated. You talk about the Mormons, these young people, these missionaries, who save up money all their lives and they go on a couple of year missionary trip. They have got a lot of zeal, but they got this misguided zeal. Paul had a misguided zeal at one time. Thought he was working his way to glory. It's a misguided zeal. Let's read what he said in Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. You won't live a loose life if you're motivated by grace. We're sinners, aren't we? You know you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner too. I got an ungodly nature. I have to fight every day. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. That's my story of my life and yours also. But you'll fight if you love the Lord. And when you get down, you'll beg him to get you back up again and put you on the right track. You don't want to wallow in your sin. Look at what it said in Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. That's all kind of men. Teaching us. Now, what, what's grace teaching us? What's grace teaching us? That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present life, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I've got to read that verse again. It's such a great verse. If you've been born again, the grace of God has appeared to you. Talk this in your heart. We need to grow in grace. We need to grow in grace. That's what Peter said. We need to grow in grace. We got grace. We need to grow in it. Hope you'll want to grow in it today. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We need those old ungodly lusts. We've got to deny them. Say no to them. We should live soberly. Righteously and godly in this present world. My friend, this present world is increasingly ungodly, as you well know. Vulgarity, filth is rampant in our world, isn't it? See, I'm not 100 years old yet, but I'm old enough. And I tell you, I remember, my friend, you couldn't even say a cuss word on TV and it shut you off. You can say anything you want to, all kind of filth, uh, even some of our public figures. We live, but you don't be tiny by that. You can live above that because in the early church, the world was just as bad as it is now, maybe worse if that's possible. But the Christian, my friend, lived a different kind of life. And many of them had been rescued from that life, but they lived a different life. Paul says, so some of, so, so some of you were that way. But you're out, you're out of that now because God brought you out of that. Don't you be dominated by the environment. You be the example my friend, to others, and let your light so shine before men that may say your good works glorify your Father which is in heaven. We've got to be salt and light. Not be influenced by the world. Try to influence the world in a better way. All right, now, this is my sugar stick, buddy. i got a lot of sugar sticks. This is one of my babies. You, you, you've heard me preach on this before. It's over in John 1.16. Of his fullness, how full do you think he is? I remember the preacher used to pray this prayer. What are they praying uh, some of you that have been around church a long time maybe heard this. Lord, bless us uh, out of thy unwasted fullness. What's unwasted fullness? It's full, when you, you just don't waste it. I mean, it's, it's not diminished at all. When he gives you some grace, it's not like, whoa, he got less grace now. He ain't got less grace. Of his fullness, my friend. Now, let me go to verse 14, 1 John 1, 1 14. And the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full 
of grace and truth. He's a reservoir of grace, a river of grace, an ocean of grace. He's full of grace and truth. Isn't that great? Now let's look at verse 16. Of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. You've heard me mention that before, but I want to mention it again. What do you mean grace for grace? I'm going to read you a little bit. This is, I have a few notes here. Here, the picture is grace taking the place of grace, like the manna fresh each morning. New grace for the new day and the new service. Isn't that great? You've got new grace every day. Grace taking the place of grace. Lord, you're going to run out of grace? Isn't it, I'm, I'm 82 years old. I've got to quit saying that. Jesus doesn't like me to say that, but she's got to live with it. Uh, old cotton picker. <laughs> Y'all pray for her. <laughs> My friend, listen, I've been living long enough. God got all kind of grace. I've been down a lot of times. He picked me up a lot of times. I've got off the pathway. He got me on the pathway. I've had fears that are unfounded. God is a God of all grace. His grace will be with you to the end. So let me read that again. Back about this. The manna, see, don't grab a, grab a whole bunch of manna. It'll stink. Get to enough of the day. God got some more the next day. They had to learn that lesson the hard way, didn't they? God said, look, just get manna for today. And they went out and gathered more, and it bred, warmed, and stank. Don't try to worry about the future. God got what you need today. Do the best you can today. It'll be there tomorrow. Let me read that again. Here the picture is grace, taking the place of grace, like the manna, fresh every morning. New grace for the new day. And the new service. And you know, the one that I mentioned, William Hen- this is one I mentioned a lot to William Hendrickson, the great commentator, said grace for grace, it's like being by the sea. And every time I go to the sea, I think about this. Here comes a wave. Guess what's going to come next? Another wave. It takes place that wave, doesn't it? What comes next? Another wave. It takes place that wave. And it goes on and on and on. That's the picture of his fullness have we received in grace for grace. I'll talk about a different kind of grace in a minute. I won't exhaust it at all. All right, let's go to Hebrews 4.16 then. Hebrews 4.16. He's talking about a great high priest in the verses above this. A great high priest. Because we have a great high priest that's touched with the feet of our infirmities. What do we do? All right, ready for this? You know this. You've got to just be reminded again. Since I had this great high priest that's just full of grace, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. We may obtain what? Mercy. And grace to help in time of need. I need all kind of mercy. An unmerited favor. So I want you today, wherever your problems are, you come to the throne of grace. Boldly. That means openly. Freely. You belong there if you're a child of God. You belong there. The devil makes us think we don't belong there. We've got to earn our way. You don't earn your way to the throne of grace. Christ earned your way to the throne of grace. That petition in the middle, the, the, and the, the veil was broken, signifying that the, the holiest of all was open to all of his children. You've got a right to come. Run to him. We sang some songs like that today. I'll rise and go to Jesus. Go, rise and go to Jesus. You've heard me say this lots of times. You've heard me say a lot of things a lot of times. But here's where, where it goes. I know how it is. So you can even remind this again. You're all Armenians by nature. That's just the way it is. That's part of our curse. I think I've got to be good enough for God to like me. 
I think I've got to earn my way to God's favor. Now, I've got to be a obedient child. I'll admit that. But I don't earn my way to God's favor. So here's what we do. We do like Adam and Eve did. We sin, and we run over naked and exposed. So we run behind a tree, like, like God came through, through a tree, and sew some fig leaves together. It happens all the time. And how long do you think that lasts? It doesn't last very long at all. So what's the solution? The solution is Genesis 3.21. Until Adam also, to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and he clothed them. That's the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. To get a skin, you've got to kill an animal, a picture of Christ, a permanent covering. My friend, you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're, I'm going to read something about justification in a little bit. Anyway, let me read that again. Let us therefore come boldly, throw grace, may obtain mercy, find grace to happen in time of need. All right, now, one of my favorite pictures here is Romans chapter 5. I'm going to get the context this time. I want to get verse 2, but I want to get verse 1 too. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Now, this is just 10 texts, folks, out of 122 times the grace is mentioned in the New Testament. All right. Therefore, he talked about justification, the last verse. Well, I'll read verse 24, chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 24. But for us also, to whom shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look at this wonderful verse. I'm going to give you a word picture in verse 2. By whom also we have uh, access by faith to grace when we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's unpack that a little bit. Okay, what we got? We have access by faith to grace when we stand. What's the picture? You're standing in a great big ocean of grace. You're standing there, believe it or not, if you're born again, child of God. But you don't always feel that. You don't experience that. You don't draw power from that. So how do you get the benefit of that? By faith. Exercise your faith. That's what the, isn't that beautiful? By faith, we have access to grace where we stand. My friend, you're in a great big pool of grace. You just always recognize it. But you're there. Ask God, increase my faith, Father. Open my eyes wide and may see the blessings that I have. This great, wonderful grace that we sang about in that last song. I think that's a beautiful picture. For by faith, we have access to grace where we, you're already standing in grace. You just don't realize it sometimes. You don't, lots of times, God people don't realize their blessings. That's why we have preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell us the good news of what our state is with God. And then we, we uh, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. All right. All right. That's where, where I go now. All right. Okay, let's see here. Okay. Oh, man. These are such good scriptures. Look at 2 Corinthians 8 9. Look at 2 Corinthians 8 9. Man, this is, this is a powerhouse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, explain it to us, Paul. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, ye through his poverty might be rich. Boy, that's a powerful verse. That could be a, more than one sermon preached on that. Let's look at that a little bit. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, how rich was he? How rich was he? We could preach all that long time, couldn't you? Do you realize, my friend, he's co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Ghost? Do you realize he's part of that trinity? Though he is rich, 
You know, when he, my friend, before he came to this earth, the angels were adoring him. He's the very prince of heaven itself. Yet for our sakes, our sakes, he became poor. How poor did he become? He had born, my friend, in a, in a stable. When he died, he was buried in a barred tomb. The foxes have their holes. The bird of the air had their nests. The son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. He lived off of charity in a way. Some of those good women over there in Luke chapter 8, they uh, contributed to his expenses. He's an itinerant preacher for the last three years of his life. He didn't have, the, the very man that made this world didn't own as a human being one inch of real estate. He's a man of a claim of grief. We could go on and on and on about his humiliation. Yet for our sakes, he became rich. I mean, became poor that ye, through his poverty, might be made rich. How rich are we? My friend, we're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Let me explain that joint heirs to you. I read something the other day that gave me some good insight on that. Let's just say a man had got five children and he got a piece of ground, maybe 100 acres of ground. So when he dies, he leaves 20 acres to each one of those kids. So they, that, 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 that one gets 20, one gets 20. But my friend, you can have this in your will that the state is left of the, all the kids. That's what happened when my daddy died. So I own the whole place, Lewis owned the whole place, Emily owned the whole place, Catherine owned the place, and Rebecca owned the whole place. We're joint heirs. You realize we're joint heirs? My, we're heirs of Jesus Christ and joint heirs together? We all own the whole glorious inheritance together. And we're rich. You think you're poor now, you're rich. Listen, would you like to have a lot of billion, billion dollars like, say, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or somebody, but not know the Lord? I'm not saying they don't. I don't think they do. But whether they do or not, that's near the here. That's God's business, not my business. How would you like to have that kind of money? Or some of these old oligarchs, these Russian oligarchs, have these $200 million yachts and stuff like that and live a party life and have all kind of houses and all kind of different continents. How'd you like that? And then my friends, over an instant, and you're in eternal damnation forever that never comes to an end. Or you'd rather be, like I said in James, God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heir of the kingdom, which he had promised to them to love him. I want to be rich in faith. My friends, if you're born again, you're rich in faith. You're rich in, You're so rich. I'm so rich in faith. And not only do I have an inheritance, this incorruptible, undefiled, that faith is not away, reserved in heaven for me, even now we draw from the earnest of that inheritance. We get a down payment on that inheritance. We, do it, we get it every day through this grace that God gives us. Isn't that wonderful? We have the earnest of our inheritance. And I told you before, that's like having an engagement ring. The word that's translated earnest in the New Testament, I mean the modern Greek is the Arbona engagement ring. So every time you feel like I did today, I, when I heard you singing today, my heart was warmed up. I was waving my engagement ring. I will someday be part of the bride of Christ. I am part of the bride of Christ. I'll be in that bridal, bridal, great bridal supper. Then the, the bridal supper, that's where I'll be some of these days. That's the guarantee. And when you feel God's spirit from time to time, every time you do, you're looking at your engagement ring, my friend. You're heir and a joint heir. That's a great text, isn't it? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he are rich, if your sake he became poor, you through his poverty 
might be made rich. Now, let's look at uh, a couple more. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This is talking about Paul who uh, had a thorn in the flesh. I don't know what that was. Nobody knows what it was. Probably something physical, but who knows? Something that the Lord didn't want us to know for sure. I guess so we could all kind of get something out of this. We can apply this to ourselves. Paul really had something that bothered him badly. Some people think it was his vision. I don't know what it was. Nobody really knows. But it bugged him so badly, he begged God. And you may have something that's bothering you. So this may be bothering you today really badly. And you ask God, would you please remove this from me? And he doesn't do it. And you ask him again. You're anguished when you do this. You're agonizing. You really mean this. You're intense about it. God, please, please remove this from me. You know, I've been doing a lot of praying lately. I want y'all to pray for me. This is going to sound funny in a way. It's not funny, but it kind of humorous in a sense. You know, I memorize all the time, right? You know, the last couple of months I hadn't been memorizing at all. You know why I'm praying so much? I can't get time to memorize. There's so many burdens going on, so many people in trouble. I can't get it off my heart. Night and day, I'm begging God, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I'm agonizing before God Almighty. Health problems, spiritual problems. One, the other day, I took a break and re-memorized 1 Timothy 6, and I just got happy as, as I could be. Got four or five sermons out of it. So I got to get to memorize it again. I got to balance it out. But my friend, you may have something that's bothering you today. This is tearing you up. You wouldn't want anybody to know about it. You beg God to remove it, and God may not remove it. If he does not, he's got a reason for that. It's for your own good, believe it or not. It's for your own good, believe it or not. Because Paul really had this wonderful experience of being lifted up into the third heaven and heard words not lawful to be uttered and saw things that he could not even describe. And so the Lord knew he might be lifted up with pride. So you don't know what kind of weakness you have. If God has let me go on my merry way, me such a great stunner, no tell what in the world I'd do. But God got ways of putting bumps in the road. I'm glad puts bump, God puts bumps in our road. Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. It really grieved him. But my friend, this is a wonderful blessing, believe it or not. Let's read that over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. He said unto me, my grace, my what? My grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, that's not a one, that's not a five-minute deal right there. Sometimes that goes on for a long time. We have to go through things like this when we're suffering. I'm not saying be flippant about it. But I'm saying just let God exercise you. Be exercised with God. Say, God, what are you doing in our life? You know, we got a right to talk to God that way if we do it in a respectful way. Lord, what's going on here? Would you please help me? Help me understand what's going on. I've heard a lot of people, well, we had a guy one time that I used to preach to down at uh, Pine Hill when I passed that church, that country church, had such a good two or three years down there. And an old guy named Hassel Shelton. Old Hassel loved the Lord so much. He was crazy about the Lord. But he used to be an unbelievable drunk. He was such a terrible drunk. He had heard his mama kneel beside his bed and say, Lord, please take Hassel on home. I can't stand to see him like this. And he had a re- he had a bricklayer, a really good bricklayer, had a vigorous guy, had a massive heart attack. He became an invalid. He told us at Pine Hill, said, Brethren, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. Hallelujah. He was praising God. Sounds crazy, doesn't he? But it wasn't crazy. Because God, not only, my friend, he just called, he put a bump in the road. He may put a bump in your road. We don't know, we don't know what we'll do if we're left totally uh, just free of trouble, anything like that. When God lets trouble come to our life, it's not because he's a sadist. He's not a sadist. He lets it happen for a reason. 
I'll say it one more time. I've probably done it a million times. God never did say, understand me. God has constantly said, trust me. God doing things. If you can see things from God's viewpoint right now, you wouldn't be worried about anything. You know God running this world? You know that everything's going to come out in the end? We're heading for glory. You know that? We're pilgrims right here. Hallelujah. we got all kinds of grace right now. And well, we've got a heaven full of grace waiting for us. Now, I've got one more text here, and I want to read a little bit, a few notes on this one. It's a great text. This is one of Sister Helen's favorite texts. Uh, Creeper, I don't know where you know that or not. She loved this text. 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, I want to stop there, but I'm not going to stop there. But he is the God of all grace. He's the God of living grace. He's the God of dying grace. He's the God of your sick grace. He's the God of your will. He's the God of your poverty stricken. He's got, you got plenty of money. He's the God of all grace. All grace. Read those 122 times. Get your concordance out and see what grace you got. And our speech, I'll be seen with grace, by the way, while I'm at it. Our speech, I'll be seen with grace. Our Lord is seen with grace. He gracious does let's be gracious to each other. Let's read this. Oh, 1 Peter 5.10. The God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, as you suffered a while, and these people in 1 Peter were suffering, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. God working in our lives. It's a long-term process. It's a lifelong process. I'll read that again to you, then read a few notes. But the God of all grace, all grace now, all grace for all of our needs, grace, grace and more grace, the title of the sermon, the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Hello, bitch, I love that text. Let me read you some notes I got. Got most of these from old uh, Phil Pot. He had a great English writer. Y'all ready? This is going to be where the rubber meets the road in your life. And however deeply you may feel the vileness of your heart, do you feel that today? Remember that there is the God of all grace to go to. If you feel yourself the vilest of sinners, he suits you the more as the God of all grace. If you feel dark, stupid, and barren, it is the greater reason you should call on the God of all grace to revive your dripping soul. Aren't you glad that man had that experience back there in the 1800s just like you have today? Isn't it good to see our, sing our songs and my friend read all these old guys and know you're not alone, that my friend God's children have always had the same struggles you've got? Isn't that wonderful to know that? Hallelujah. We'll get to talk to them some. I'll be, I'll bet a couple of hundred years talking to old Phil Pot someday after I get through talking to Paul. Now, let get this, though. Let me read this to you, because this is the truth. There is no Christian perfection, no divine establishment, no spiritual strength, no solid settlement, except by suffering. That's exactly right. God's not a statist. Now, I'm going to read you two songs. You know these, but I want to read them to you anyway. Amazing Grace. I want to just read this. You sang this song. Listen to me like you've never heard it. John Newton knew what he's talking about. Like, like old Stephen Lawson, stupendous grace. Unspeakable. He had a whole bunch of adjectives on it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. 
How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. You all remember that in your life? Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home, and grace will lead you home. We all had our toils, some of them more than others, but God will lead you home. John knew that. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. That's an understatement, really, isn't it? The world shall soon to ruin go. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below shall be forever mine. And we've been there 10,000 years. Why do they say 10,000? Why do they say 10 trillion something? Get a little bit closer to it. Bright shining of the sun. We've no less day to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Grace, grace and more grace. Now this is a great song too. These old boys knew what they're talking about. Grace to the charming sound, harmonious to the ear. Heaven with the echo shall resound. All the saints shall hear. Grace first contrived the way to save rebellious man. That's before the world began. And all the steps that grace displayed would drew the wondrous plan. What a great plan of salvation. I get going on that, we'd be here another hour. Grace first inscribed my name in God's eternal book. My friend, that's before the world began. Some people teach that when you accept Christ, your name written in the book of life, they're too late. They're way too late. You didn't accept Christ anyway. He got you first. He made the first move. You love him because he first loved you. And my friend, if you read Revelation 13.8 and Revelation 17.8, your name written in the bound book of life before the world began. Grace inscribed my name in God's book. I don't know why he did that. It wasn't because I'm a good boy. It wasn't because I'm better than somebody else. The children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. It was said, the elder shall serve the younger. Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. That's the doctrine of election, friends. And Paul loved that doctrine of election. It's not an ugly doctrine to him. It shouldn't be to you either. Because you're a child of God because God chose you graciously in Jesus Christ before the world began. Put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Grace first describe my name in God's eternal book. And grace gave me to the Lamb who all my sorrows took. Grace led my roving feet. Boy, mine have been roving. Have yours? They've been roving. To tread the heavenly road. And new supplies each hour I meet. While pressing on to God. We don't only need for God to initially save us. We need to have God to keep us saved. Grace taught my soul to pray. Made mine eyes o'erflow. It was grace that kept me to this day and will not let me go. Grace, all the work shall crown in everlasting days. It lays in heaven, the topmost stone, and well deserves the praise. Folks, I have preached you a sermon on grace, grace and more grace. I hadn't even touched the hem of the garment of this subject. I hope the Holy Spirit, my friend, the gracious Holy Spirit that God graciously has given us, make it real to us.
I want you to be encouraged with this message. I want you to be empowered with this message. I want you to be enthused with this message. I want you to want to glorify gutter because grace, grace, and more grace. I wish I had a big old voice like some of these old preachers have. I'd like to boom that out. There's red, 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 red,